So how's your summer going so far? You're still stuck inside doing a bunch of admin tasks that are keeping you away from chilling out on the beach or hanging out and enjoying some of this weather? Oh, look, HubSpot's on the way to help us out here because they've built some incredibly powerful AI tools into their CRM and it is saving reps a ton of time. We're starting to play around with this stuff and it is absolutely bananas. Just by some simple prompts, you're being able to do research, pull reports, summarize information, craft content, write copy, and it's all just right there. I mean, it's as easy as chat GPT, but it's actually in your system with your data. So it frees up so much time so you can get out there and do a little bit more fun stuff. So to learn more and get started today, go to HubSpot.com and check it out. Hey everyone, welcome back to Make It Happen Mondays, where we talk about sales, business, entrepreneurship, personal growth, mental health, and everything in between with guests who I truly respect and I think make a positive impact on the world around us. And talking about making a positive impact, man, John Veggiero is one of those people doing the work. Now, John is the CEO and founder of Adapting Social, a full-service digital marketing agency whose main mission is to validate small businesses' credibility online and build revenue. But that is not what we talked about. In this episode, we dove deep into optimism and gratitude, which I think you all know we need a lot more of right now. And it's hard to come by. I mean, his story is incredible. At a very young age, he was the oldest of a bunch of kids and his dad came to him and basically was going to lose the house and he had to go to work and not just work. Like he was working at Best Buy and not making enough money though to save the house. So he ended up deciding to go off on his own and start his own agency at such a young age and he said he spent three months knocking on doors and getting people slamming doors in his face and got that one yes that changed everything and so we dove into where his optimism comes from and he talked about it in form of anxiety which i thought was really interesting he said his optimism actually comes from his anxiety and a lot of his mental health issues because he had to force himself to be positive in a lot of ways and how he was a people pleaser and how that's not a good thing. And we talked about toxic positivity, which I actually come across a lot with some of my friends and people I know who are always, oh, no, it's all great. It's all great when you know it's not. So we dove into that and why sadness is actually a good thing and how to deal with it. And then he gave some very tactical things about his calendar strategy and how he deals with disappointment and depression and also his existential gratitude, which I thought was really cool. So like you always hear me at the end of all my podcasts, you know, go out there and make somebody smile today. And this is one of those episodes that I think more, more than a few people need to listen to. So I hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Let's make it happen. John, welcome to Make It Happen Monday podcast, my friend. Thanks for coming on board. John, you have a fantastic name. Thank <laughs> you for uh, having me. I really appreciate it. I'd be here. Yeah, I love it. And I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation for a couple of different reasons. I think when we, uh, when I first, when I started doing some background, I mean, the, the optimism side of what we're looking at here, I think is, uh, optimism is, is I, I've always kind of considered myself an optimist, right? But there's a lot of stuff going on right now that is, is making it hard to be an optimist, uh, just from a business standpoint, a macroeconomic standpoint. So I'd love to dive into that with you as far as learning, you know, some of the stuff that you talk about, about true optimism versus, toxic positivity and those type of things but let's let's give the audience a little background of where you're coming from and kind of why why you're doing what you're doing right now yeah man um so why i'm doing so initially i so i got into the the world of being an entrepreneur and started my my first company which was adapting social my agency uh which is my main my main business it's my baby's thing i started from scratch when i was 17 
you know, my, my parents came to me, you know, I'm always defied. My dad first me was like, listen, I'm in a tough financial position, you know, we potentially could lose the house. Right. And I'm yeah. like, oh shit, like, what can I do? Right. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at the time I, I was helping him, I did, I was working every Tuesdays, like busting and I was a lifeguard at the beach. And I was also working at Best Buy doing a couple of jobs. I always kept myself busy, <laughs> but I was giving him money from those things to help. And it just wasn't enough based on what his situation. So yeah. he told me nothing is safe. And so I started Googling at the time, like, what can I do to make like, you know, like 50, 60 grand a year. And this is going back like 15 years. Yeah. What can I do to make that? Cause that, I don't know. I, and I didn't know where I got the number. It's like Google. And yeah. um, I found a couple of things that I couldn't do. Right. So one was an air traffic. Right, you have to at least be sporty want to do that. Um, and then um, a couple other things, but the one thing that stuck out to me was um, website freelancer, right? So I saw a website freelancer and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And so I started like looking things up on uh, websites and stuff. And I stumbled upon a couple of different platforms. And so I taught myself how to build sites. And so I started building out websites. And my first my first version of it was, you know, remember living social or Groupon? Yeah. So yep. at the time, this is before Groupon was on the scene, that was just living social. Okay. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, all right, I'm going to make a rival website on a really more micro level. And essentially what I built out was, was called BrickTownDeals.com. So it was just for my town that I grew up in Brick. And so instead of me, do you know the model and how it works, John? No. So it's just a Groupon. Let's just use it an easy example. Let's oh, just say- yeah. yeah, we'll explain it. But I think, I, yeah, the Groupon okay. model. So okay. as an example, right? So let's just say you sell mason jars, right? You yeah. sell mason jars for $10. If you put it on Groupon, what they do is they say, okay, we're going to sell it for five now, right? And I'm going to take 250 and you're going to take 250. And initially the thought process behind this is like, okay, you know, I'm going to get new customers. They'll try my mason jars. And if they like them, they'll come back and pay full price. Right. What we started to see with Living Social and why we don't really hear about Living Social anymore is that literally, you know, they would almost bleed companies dry, right? Because, you know, you have to have money to pay for inventory, pay for employees. And when you have those deep discounts, yes, you're getting volume, hundreds of thousands of people in your door, but you're not making money. Right. So my goal was to rival it. And so I did. And so essentially what I put together was where you just pay me a small fee. It was like 50 bucks a month. And you put as many deals as you want with it. So we, we built that up. I went door to door for almost like three months in the winter here, Jersey, yeah. which is not Boston winters, by the way. We could say <laughs> for sure, but yeah. it is damn cold though. And yeah. I was door knocking. And again, just picture like a 17 year old kid have a suit that doesn't really quite suit me all the way. It's like the suit came up to here was like from a speed 16 or something from like a year or two before. And I was going, knocking on pizzerias, knocking on doctors, knocking on everybody I could. And eventually after three months doing that, I got one person who gave me a yes. And so this person said yes. And after three months of knocking, I was like, holy shit, this is worth it. And, um, you know, and, uh, and I was trying to get them on my breakdown deals website. And he said to me, well, can you all, do you also build websites for companies? And I was like, his name was Jason, he's still a client. I was like, Jay, I was like, I, I honestly, I was like, I've never charged anybody to do this. So I was like, I wouldn't even know what to charge you, but I could build you one. And he's like, well, I paid a thousand, you know, for my last one, if you could do it for like five, 600 bucks, you know, it's yours. And I was like, I was going to charge you 50 bucks to... 500 bucks and like i'll take it i was like let's do it yep. so I, I continued to build out for time deals we got a couple people on there and then i realized that it's going to recruit your date to be like building the websites managing them, doing yeah. SEO. and then we fast forward the overarching goal was i wanted to help my family 
So I helped my family out of that financial situation. They did not lose the house. Um, and then I found myself, you know, about to be graduating high school saying like, what do I want to do? Right. Cause in school in the school systems, I always, you know, uh, when I was in second grade, they helped me back. And that's why I found that I had a learning disability. So from second grade on, I was in classrooms, they call it in, in the East Coast, I don't know if it's all around the U S that they need in schools, but I was in what they call the classified class. So Arrow. in the classroom with me, there was a teacher's aide on top of a normal class with the normal teacher in the front. But the aide came around to me, a couple of people like, you know, what's going on here? Do you need help? Like, do you need extra whatever? So it was like that extra love. So when I got out of, when I was getting out of high school, like I was like not knowing what I wanted to do, but I was already ambitious enough to say like, damn, like, I'm already making some decent money here. So I'm not going to, I don't think I'm going to go to college. And I wanted to go to a county college for like half of a semester. And I want to say, this is not for me anywhere. I want to do this. Um, and, but the core thing here is that it was my family and the desperation situation that put me in it that made me say, I need to go figure something out. And yeah. then when I figured it out, the one thing that kept me bolted and anchored to this industry is that growing up, you know, I'm sure my parents initiate, like I've had, you know, anxiety disorder for all time in my life, you know, um, again, learning disabilities, the school system and all this other stuff. And then also my family at times, you know, they were from stamps, we had a lot of financial troubles. So I didn't have like mentors around me to help me say, like, John, here's what you should do. Here's the next thing. So this financial situation like that brought to me at the time sucked and I paid you every second of it, you know, but it actually was a big thing. And I think the biggest thing that I learned from it now, just bring it full circle to this is that, you know, when I first started the company out of desperation and now we're today, one thing that kept me and it's, I'm obsessed with entrepreneurs. Right. And when it, all the business owners, when I was young and, you know, anxious and not kind of numbers and do whatever I'm trying to do, I'm meeting these people who have fucked up stories like I did, right? Mm-hmm. You know, my family, you know, my, my, my parents, my dad had, you know, some, some alcoholism, you know, uh, and so, you know, growing up, I've heard these crazy, same, similar stories that I went through that these people have experienced too. And now they have a company of 200 employees oh, and they didn't they have a, they have a, uh, an elementary school or a middle school education. And they're doing what they're doing. Like, I was a whack. This is possible. And there's people out there like me. So I'm not the only fucked up person in the world going through this shit. So, anyway, yeah. that's what kept me anchored to it. And, uh, you know, since that, we've scaled that social network in many countries. Um, I have a couple other companies that, that I own as well, in addition to it, in liquor space and other spaces like that. But, you know, it all started from, you know, that desperation. And I was like to give the example yeah. of like, when you look at athletes, right? Like, you have some baseballs behind you and stuff. We look at most of the world's top athletes, right? Whether it's Jordan, LeBron James, whatever. Most of these people, they had, whether they came from, they came from rough upbringings, right? Mm-hmm. And their goal was to get their parents and their families And yeah. they didn't want to be it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I had a similar vibe because a lot of times you get asked like, well, why didn't you give up, right? And to me, it was never an option is stay yeah. here or have financial you know, difficulties that was going on. Or anything bad of it, and I wasn't choosing it. And I think right. a lot of times you see that in a lot of the core character um, characteristics of entrepreneurs um, is that they have that tough. Opinion. 
Hey, I want to take a quick minute to share with you what I'm working on these days with my new JB Sales membership. It includes live monthly training delivered by me on my two signature courses, Filling the Funnel and Driving to Close. It also includes monthly workshops that I'll be running on specific skills and different tech like ChatGPT and how to leverage it in the sales process. And it gives you access to my entire online catalog with every course and every tip I've ever done. You get all of this for $420 a year as an individual or $5,000 for teams. And as an exclusive offer to my podcast listeners, if you go to www.jbarrows.com and click on the individual or team membership and use code podcast, you'll get 20% off. Let's make this happen together. Um, but John, also, I'm a rambler. So if you need to shut me up, John, no, just tell me to shut up. No, this is great. No, I think that, I mean, the, the, the first of all, the journey is always what I find most in, most intriguing, right? And the learning, like everybody always talks about the outcome, right? Versus what it took to get that outcome. And to me, right. that that's where the learning is. That's where, you know, yeah, you figure things out and and you fail a lot, right? To, to figure it out along the way. And I'm curious yep. with all that, you know, I think, there is something to be obviously about just, yeah, I didn't have a choice here, right? Agreed. But also, you know, in related to sales, if we go back to your cold calling experience with, you know, three, was it three months and knocking on every door and you didn't yep. get, get one yes, right? Yeah. I mean, that's a, you know, that's a, the, most people would give up after that, right? So in, in addition to the, entrepreneur and the passion for it and just the, Hey, I got it. I got, and also I have to do this, whether I like it or not, it had to be a little bit of optimism in you in the beginning to say, I got, I'm just going to keep going. It's eventually going to work out. Right. Because there's the part I have to do this. So I don't have a choice, but there also had to be that part of like, all right, if I I believe that if I work this hard, I believe that if I do this stuff, that it is going to work out. So where did optimism start to creep into your mentality like where did it consciously hit you <laughs> to be honest John, i think it came from the anxiety stuff right because growing up i was my mom said i was really young i was shy um yep. and then as i got a little bit older i started you know um building my personality and you know and i was like the friend when i was younger like in elementary to middle school that like I always, like, I had a core friend group, but I always wanted to be bringing new friends. I wanted to meet new people. I had my friends and stuff. And I always enjoyed and loved, right? I loved connecting people and stuff like that. And I think, when I think, when I look back, a lot of times people always were like, you know, you're always so, you're always this, that, whatever. And I think it came from the anxiety. Because a lot of times for people out there who are experiencing, you know, anxiety or constant anxiety, you know, sort of anxiety disorder, um, you have to force yourself to think positive. And there's yeah. something really beautiful about it, right? A lot of times with anxiety or, or mental health challenges, we feel fearful, fight or flight, right? And yeah. the thing is, is our, it's our natural instinct to get eventually get depressed because it's like, why am I constantly feeling what's going on? What the heck? Why can't, why do I need to rely on this to feel better? You know, and I'm a very holistic person because of my mother. My mother was like the kind of person where, like, you know, you can just that like, if, if she has a headache, she's not going to take Advil, so just drink a shit ton of water and be like, you know, I'll figure it out, right? So that's how I grew up. And so I'm not somebody who's like, I'm going to go grab medication. So for me, my self-medication holistically was like just constantly being positive, right? And like figuring out like, oh, I'm, feel, I'm not feeling great, but you know what? I'm here, I'm alive. And I was always trying to pull on to these things to make it more tangible. I'm okay. Like, it's going to be okay. You're fine. And then I think that turned on to the life liquid cell, to be honest. Yep. Um, and from that point forward, 
it made me realize that's the one thing I love. What, if you're able to, I'm not going to say conquer, but if you're able to get into a harmonious place with your mental health, yeah. not, um, one of the most beautiful things is when you realize that, especially if you're doing this, like, you know, it's, it's a struggle. It's a yeah. real struggle, right? And when you can put yourself into a better place and you realize that you, you're capable of doing it, it's not easy, and you have to beat your subconscious mind from trying to protect you, making you anxious, making you drown, or if you're, you know, if you're depressed, if you're, your dope meat's not hitting, you have to convince yourself and you get to convince the automatic part of your brain, which is subconscious, that I'm okay, right? Yeah. And so I think the optimism for me and everybody that works with me at any of the companies or any of my friends and family, they all know me as an extreme optimist, right? Yeah. And you brought up in the beginning the toxic optimism. That's what and difference right? there and dude there is because when i first was early in building my team when we were small like 50 like, you know, uh, like 10 to 15 people on team last i was the dude no matter what was going on the day i was like i would ask everybody in the whole company we'd sit there at the end now, this is before remote work so yeah. i'm sitting there and i'd be like we'd be in the conference room with the guy everybody regular day on scale one to ten right and for well over seven years every day I was like 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. And, and people would feel, what I realized is that people on my team would feel like, well, you know, how can you have a 10 every day? Or, like, right. he, is he being honest? Like, come on. And it would make them feel like they couldn't say less than a 10 or a nine or an eight. Because mm-hmm. then they would feel like I'd be like, well, what's wrong with you? It's up to you to do that. Like, right. so I was that guy for a long time. And, and then as I got older, I started to understand that that was the people pleaser. Right, I'm a big people pleaser. I call myself a recovering people pleaser because <laughs> ultimately, right, yep. I want people to be happy. I want people to like me. I'm also an impact. So like, I sense energy. So like, if somebody's yep. not excited or, or giddy, I would always try to counter motivation, get them hyped up. But I realized as I scaled T that when you're a people pleaser, and for anybody anybody who owns a business or is in charge of a T here, it actually puts you in a terrible position. Because when you're a people pleaser and you constantly just want to be liked, it's not effective, right? And when your T is constantly not doing the right job and you're just being nice, guess what? Yep. They're going to keep repeating the same actions and behaviors because they're not they're not getting PLOS, right? And then you're still a happy person. Mm-hmm. So what it wound up doing for me was realizing that you have to earn respect to get at your results, not through being liked because you're a nice person. Um, and so I think just going back to the optimism situation, you know, I was just always oh, really optimistic because I know what I'm capable of and I push that over the people sometimes. But as I got older and more mature and seasoned in business, I realized that, you know what, it's okay to not always be, uh, I don't want to say not optimistic, and not always be cheery sure. in a situation that is not favorable or going your way. But I think what I learned personally for me was that I said to myself, I know that I'm extremely optimistic because I'm, I know, I'm also like religious, I'm a Catholic, and mm-hmm. I believe that, that God has a plan for me and I believe in a higher power. So I know when I'm going through difficulties, I'm optimistic because thus far in my life, I'm just what I see out of life in my 31 years of planet, I've seen that tough situations typically build the man. Absolutely. And and so I like that now. And I'm yeah. sucked up in the head about that because hey. people are like, 
well, this is, you're supposed to be pissed off here. You're supposed to be sad. You're supposed to be mad here. Yeah. And I will, and I will be those things. And I will feel those emotions pass and say to you, not um, I think what made me a better leader, a better husband, you know, a better friend is I'm now a lot more realistic with, well, I'm fucking pissed about this, but I'm yeah. not going to stay there. Right. I won't stay there. So. so that's, and that's kind of the one thing. Cause I know, um, I, you know, look, I got a, a bunch of friends who thankfully for me, I, I, I've never experienced mental health issues, thankfully. Yeah. Um, good. And, but I obviously I'm around a lot of people and friends who have, and there's a lot yeah. of people who I think mask that depression, mask that anxiety with what you call toxic po po toxic positivity. Right. But it's always the oh no things are great things are great things are great things are great right. And it's like when you know things aren't great, you know what I mean. Right. And it's kind of like you you actually lose credibility in a lot of ways because now all your positivity is like kind of you're ten out of ten all the time. It's like nobody can be ten out of ten all the fucking time. Right. So, so I'm going to take a slightly different track than I was going to go with this, but I'm curious, how do you, how do you approach somebody like that? How do you, so, so say you're the 10 out of 10 guy that's, no, everything's great. Everything's great. Everything's mm -hmm. great. Right. And you're sitting there and you're at a company or whatever it is, or you're just their friends. Right. And you know that things aren't great, but you know, at the deep rooted level, there's real reasons why things aren't great. So it's fucking heavy and they probably don't want to address it because of the challenges that they're going through. How can you be a friend to that type of person? I think if I were to go back, if you were to come to me, we knew each other, just us, us two John squared, right? Yep. And we had you give up to me and you're like, listen, I know we lost that big client and I know you're being positive about it, or I know that person quite umpty and you're trying to be positive about it, but I just want you to know that you don't have to pretend to be strong for me because I want to take that weight with you. Uh -huh. Now, I would like to think in the, I'm thinking of my current consciousness and my current space uh -huh. versus mine then, my mentality then. Yeah. And dude, I was like jacked up on like, Steve Jobs, Tony Robbins, like all this stuff since I was a kid. Yep. So I always put those blinders for those things. So I would think if you were to approach me at that that certain juncture, I would probably say to you, well, John, I'm not pretending. I'm, I'm totally fine, right? I would think right. that I would probably mask it still, right? But there's a lot of ego tied to it. My ego is different. Yeah. But I would say if, because there's some times that are sure, like, you know, I'm an alpha male. So there's a lot of times where if that type of situation pops up now, my ego is a lot less because I think the, the the levels of success that I've wanted to achieve in this world, I've I've gotten to most of them and because they're family related, right? Yeah. It's not monetary for me. For me, it's like I found my dream woman, you know, so, almost nine years ago. So my wife with a child and I have my dream child. Anything I could ever want in the world, like is right there. And then also I have my family. So, you know, I retired my mom, right? right. So like there are things like that that like my ego, I'm not attached to you, right? Because like yeah. whatever I had to do to get to where I am, it helped me do that, right? So now being open to feedback, and I think mm -hmm. that's the biggest thing that shifted for me. So, for, so, so here's the thing, the people who are that 10 out of 10 guy, right, that I used to be, they're, they're so egocentric and they're not trying to do it because they want to be better, right? And at right. least that was my, it was because I wanted to always be strong for the people around me. And my ego is attached to being the strong guy. Right. So I Cause think I, then, cause that's what I, I worry for. Right. Yeah. Quite a bit. Because you know, you hear the stories of like Robin Williams, 
Oh my right? gosh, yeah. Or like, or, you know, a Chris Farley, right? Mm-hmm. I and mean, they were always wanted, and you said it to, I'm, I'm, I'm not as, you know, people pleaser as, as you explained, but I, I'm definitely a people pleaser. I'm the one that's at the, you know, we, we, my wife and I host a lot of parties and I'm always yeah. hey, having a good time. Like you having a good time, you know, I always want to make sure you're having a good time. If you're not having a good time, I'm going to hyper-focus on you, figure yeah. out what the problem is and see how you, right? But I'm not, I, I wouldn't consider it toxic. Whereas I, I have other friends who are like, like, if you're not having a good time, if you're not happy, they over-index it, but it's, yeah. it's, it's to hide their deep-seated issues. I mean, I don't, I, I mean, I don't think anybody was overly surprised when Chris Farley died. Right. But no. I think when, 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 because you knew his drug use and, and all yeah. that, but I think it, it hit a lot of people when Robin Williams died, at least it hit me. Right. Yeah. Cause I looked at him as such an incredible soul, such a good person, you know, and, and, and it's funny all the time and seemed to, I mean, he had his problems. He did his drugs too. Right. But yeah, like when, when, when all of a sudden it was uncovered of how deep, his depression went how deep it went you know you were like oh my god so for a lot of people we take we we don't i want to say take advantage of but we we don't recognize that toxic positivity that is hiding something and i'm just trying to figure out you know is there is there a way to help or identify that it's real positivity and optimism versus toxic positivity because they're trying to help everybody else so that they don't focus on themselves? It's such a great question. And I, I have a rule of thumb that I utilize now for myself as my wow. your star. So <clears throat> as an example, if I'm going through some shit at work, right? And I'm like, damn, I'm upset about this, right? What I used to do was, it's okay, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, I'm going to figure it out, right? It's a, I think the one thing I heard, and I heard this at a Tony Robbins interview, yep. for almost 10 years ago, right? And I, and, I, and I play this back in my head every time I find myself in that position. And they asked him like, you're Tony Robbins. You're the world's guru on personal development. Do you ever just sit on the couch with a bag of Cheetos, <laughs> pissed off drinking a Diet Coke or something? And he was like, these are that. He's like, listen, you know, he goes, do I get mad? Am I human? Yes. But he's like, I choose not to state it, right? So for me, my new, my new like, it's almost like, a filtration system, right? I want to be like a pool filtration system where you get all the toxic chemicals out, you get all the shit out and filter it so you don't have bugs over your pool. For me, it's, okay, I'm going to acknowledge this feeling this emotion, right? I'm going to put acknowledge into it because it's real and I'm feeling that. Yeah. But here's where positive optimism comes to the play because you're like, here's my here's the cards I'm currently dealt. And I'm not happy. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be in this position. But... I'm pissed off. I'm giving myself a space. I want to give myself a space and the time to process these emotions, right? My wife actually said this very well two years back when first out, or I think we were just engaged. And she, and this is when I was toxically positive. And she was upset about something and I'm just hitting her with everything, right? Hit her yeah. with it, right? And she goes, can you just let me be upset? Yeah. Right? And I remember thinking that like, why would you want to be upset, right? But you know what? You need to process emotions. And I think yeah. that's where Toxic positivity comes in when you don't allow yourself to process. Yeah. And so that is my new filtration system. I, I process the emotion. I don't pretend that it's not there, but I, I, I allow myself the space and time to process. And then I say, all right, well, I'm not going to stay here. I'm moving, I'm moving on. Right. So that is my new rule of thumb. Filter it in, process it, understand it, and then move past it. 
So there's a couple of examples that I love and, and I want to get into your calendar strategy here for a minute, but you know, the, you ever seen the movie in and out, uh, in and out, out. Or, yeah. Uh, inside out, it, it was the cartoon. Oh movie, yes. Yes. Right. So the re- the reason I love that movie was because sadness. Remember, pa- remember, happy was always trying to get rid of sadness. Like, leave, yeah. no, 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 sadness, no, 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 no. It's always happy. It's always happy. Yeah. And then at the end, it was it was well. The reason you are happy is because you can be sad, right? right. And that sadness allows for the happiness, and you have to process that emotion. I just got the chills, by the way. Podcast of it. It's got the chills on that one. <laughs> but it's right, right? I mean, that was that's what that movie was all about, ultimately. And, and there's another one that I, that I learned from my mentor, Jeff Hoffman, where, cause I, sometimes I feel bad because I have a, I, I judge when I don't want to, I hate judging yeah. people, but I do, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it is like, oh, you said, you know, you look and, and even like superficial shit. Sometimes you look a certain yeah. way, whatever it is, we all have that in us. And I always right. feel guilt for judging mm-hmm. and I don't, and I'm like, and I don't want to judge people, but I do. And so I would beat myself up about it. My, my mentor, Jeff, he said, John, he's like, cause he goes to a lot of therapy and he goes, look, I have, you know, it's almost like this little Buddha elephant. And he's like, his therapist labeled that as his judgment elephant. He's like, look, we all have it in us. Okay. And he's like, look, sometimes we have to take the judgment elephant out and let it be it, let it judge, but realize yeah. that that's not us. And so we're going to put right. it back in its place and we're going to go about our day. But every once in a while, we got to take the little judgment elephant out. So he, he almost objectified it. He's like, this is a thing. It's like, it's like right. a little pet. It's a little pain in the ass pet that I don't like, but it's my pet and I got to let it breathe every once in a while, but I'm going to put it back in its box because it's not going to control me. And I think yeah. it's the same thing with sadness and processing it. It's like when people mm-hmm. die and they don't process, you know, that emotion of that lost loveling and that, no, 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 I'm good. I'm, I'm just going to bury myself in work. That's like the Catholic guilt thing that just ends up eventually coming out and ruining, a, you know, in, in, in all the wrong ways, health wise reaction wise that type of stuff because if you don't deal with it early or, or and, and as you need to it's gonna be, it's, it's there whether you like it or not right right so what a beautiful john i just want to say what a beautiful reference uh, i'm really happy to be brought that up and for your listeners i think one of the things that i just want to say i have a lot of international clients and a lot of times the, the first time this happened to me was a couple years back but i remember i was on this thing i was on this war beating virtual call with a client and you know around the country and I remember at the end of it, this one of the guys in the T, one of their executives pulled me aside, you know, uh, on a sidebar chat. He's like, why are you like being so like positive and happy all the time? Like, can you be serious? And and I remember him thinking like, you know, it was, he's like, you Americans, he literally said, he goes, you Americans think you're always supposed to be happy. And yeah. what you just said there, like resonated with me about like, hey, all this trying to get rid of sadness in the movie Inside Out. So there's a show called The Marvelous Miss Maisel. Oh yeah, my wife's and, one of my favorite shows. I love. Yeah, she loves yeah, it. Yeah, mine, mine too. Right. So I only yeah. typically watch it through my wife. Yeah. But there's one scene in the whole show that cracked me up. Where have you have you actually saw some of the episodes? Yeah. Okay. So there's a scene where E uh, Maisel's father right um, finds out that his grandson is a part of this happy tribe in the school system. Yeah, I saw because this he's one. Not, right, he's not academically like, you know, inclined. So so he's in the happy group where, And so he goes back to the table and now his whole family's there. It's his son, his wife, his wife, you know, both kids and stuff. And he goes, do you know that your son's in that happy group? And, you know, and the guy's like, what do you mean? What's wrong with that? He goes, because, you know, and then, the, then his son goes, 
He goes, Pop, we'll have plenty of time to become miserable. And, and he goes, nobody who's ever accomplished something worthy of life was truly happy, right? And I think there, there's a lot of truth to that. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of interesting thoughts around, right? Because when you look at Steve Jobs, right? People looked at him like a miserable fuck. And a yeah. lot of people did not like to work with him. If you respect building businesses and you respect design integrity and, and just, you know, operational success, you look at that guy like a god. But the people around him who knew him were genuinely like, this guy is miserable. Like, we don't like him. Anyway, my whole point though is that in most countries outside of the US, they don't like sadness, being depressed, being anxious, doing all these other things. It's normal. It's normalized because you're not supposed to always be happy. Anyway, I just want to say that bit though, because I think a lot of times people don't realize. Yeah, and I think it's important to to sit with it for a while and let it sit. I mean, my you know, my dad passed a couple of years back and you know, I I kept myself busy taking care of my mom and my sister at the time. And then, you know, I had the chance to to thankfully I would, you know, my wife had uh gotten us we this was right when COVID this was actually two twenty twenty one and it was uh it was February and we were um in Aruba. And we had a two, we, we had a, like a beautiful place in Aruba for two months because uh, we were going to be remote anyways, might as well. And yeah. didn't did want to be in fucking Boston in the winter, right? So, <laughs> so we were there and thankfully I had the the ability to kind of sit with it for a while and, you know, do those long walks on the beach, sit at the end of the pier, you know, have that conversation with myself and, you know, whoever was out there listening. And, uh, and it was, it allowed me to, to be sad. Right. And I think if I, if I had just done what I had typically done, which is bury myself in work and just fuck it, you know, I'm just going to get through this and, you know, I'm, I'm fine. I'm good. I'm good. Right. Like no problem. Then I, I, I don't think I'd be in the same space that I am right now. Right. So yeah. I think that's, so, so talk to me a little bit about that calendar strategy though. Cause, cause you talk about how, you know, the, you know, look, pessimism creeps in to all of us and, and it, and it kind of chips away at some of the stuff. So, uh, what's your strategy of of this calendar strategy and how you look at this to kind of compartmentalize it? I, I call that the it won't matter strategy, typically. Okay. Um, but the calendar strategy works just right. So essentially, here's what I do. So when I'm going through some shit, whether it's work, personal, whatever else, I legitimately like in my in my in my like phone calendar, I put the I put the specific date that this happened and I. I Put a note there and I put a reminder, right? For a 30-day check. Okay. Good. And so every 30 days from the day that I had shit day or a shit week or what's the starting of that shit week, I go back 30 days and I look at it and I ask myself, how much did that day matter? Or like, are you still going through this? And it's Johnny, it's like 95% of the time, it never really matters, right? We're in, like, and that's why if you're somebody who you find yourself being hypercritical of people, you know, we then you're probably the same route. Most of us, we we focus more on things that are not going well than wins, right? Oh, we're, we're, we're hypercritical, right? Yep. And I think I like to love it to do that as a example so that I can start to build a part of my brain that's that's fortuitous enough to see that okay, today I had this happen to me. This sucks. I don't know what I'm going to do here. I know I put it down on my calendar. It's going to remind me 30 days. I'm going to do what I got to do. And then I'm going to visit it back. You know, how bad was it? Oh, no, here was the solution. Yeah. So I started to do this, you know, for probably the better half of like two years. 
And what it started to build in my mindset is to be better in those moments. Not being as hectic, not being as crazy or frantic. It's going to be okay. You figure this out again. 10,000 times now. Eventually in the future, when I, when I get to 10,000 times, step happen in the calendar, yeah. you know, I'll be able to say definitively, you figured it out. You know, yeah. Don't worry. It's fine. It's part life. And, you know, and, and it is, there's something to say about that too, because we find ourselves thinking that we're not going to fix it and we're stuck. What a reality is. Y'all know that I love being on this new network because of all the cool exposure and cross promotion that we do, but also because of some of the podcasts that I'm getting exposed to here that are quickly becoming some of my favorites, especially this one coming up, Created, hosted by John Uche. Now, Created gives you an inside look at how to build a business as a creator and improve your creative process and also stay ahead of the latest content trends. He's an ex-YouTube and Instagram employee and breaks down the creator economy with guests like Logan Paul, Paris Hilton, Jake Paul, and many, many others. And his most recent episode why YouTube's biggest star left is really interesting. Lisa Koshi, she was actually there before Mr. Beast and she was had, I think, 25 million subscribers or something like that. And she bailed on YouTube and they dive into why, which I thought was fascinating. So you're going to have to listen to it. All right. So check out his podcast, Created, wherever you can get your podcast now and let's make it happen. And it's funny to say that because there's, I mean, I was uh, watching this round table with a bunch of you know movie stars or whatever and they were talking about learning lessons and tom hanks you know was like hey what's the one thing you wish you knew you know when you were younger right and right. He, he said something that still sticks with me is he's like this till this too shall pass no like, i heard i think i saw that yeah. i think i saw it. that was fire like, and everything right like this too shall pass like no like you know and and it's funny how you know i and i do this to try to remind myself and remind the people you know that i engage with you know when i do my out of office for instance yeah I, so i just took a two-week vacation and every single time my out of office says the same thing it says hey thanks for your email um due to the fact that i'm not an emergency room doctor i'm guessing your email can wait until i get back so <laughs> thanks for your email and i'll get back to you when i get back to you and inevitably, I get at least a half a dozen people emailing me back being like, dude, th I needed that reminder. And that's probably one of the best out of offices I've ever got. Right. Because right. Just check on like, look, everything we do isn't that important ultimately at the end of the day. I mean, you. So true, mate. I mean, in your early, don't get me wrong. And there are some desperate times that, that yeah. you had to pay the bills for your family so you didn't lose the house. Right. That is, yeah, that is that is dire that is we have but this too shall pass you know what i mean like th there'll be an option you might lose the house but something else is going to happen and i don't yep. know if you've ever read it but I, I i'm not a huge reader but my favorite book uh by far at this point is matthew mcconaughey's green lights have you i had that right very good thanks oh dude you have to like you that, and actually I'd, I'd listen to it as opposed to read it because he's got the matthew mcconaughey voice and he Yo, just i want to hear that all that you, you have to like all right all right <laughs> well, and he actually tells the story of all right, all right. Do you know that was the first line in his first movie ever? I did not know that. So, like, he didn't he didn't even know he wanted to be an actor. And as a sidebar, he didn't even know he wanted to be an actor. And he just kind of took this gig. And he was supposed to be this dude, and he didn't know how to play the dude. So he's like, "How can I, you know, whatever?" And so the first line when he was trying out for it, he was like, "All right, all right, all right." And then <laughs> that was it. So the fact, wow, that, right? And that to me, but the book Green Lights is all about. You know, I used to say, and I and I think this is actually very insensitive these days, which is why I, will, I wish people wouldn't say it. 
and I and I wish I didn't say it in the past, which is, oh, everything happens for a reason. Right. I, I think that's like insanely insensitive because you know, let's talk about the people who are getting bombed and their daughter oh. just got killed because of oh. a drone attack. Like, you tell me that person, like that that happened for a reason. Can't, you tell can't, me my, can't true, yeah. No, you tell me my dad happened, died for a reason. Fuck you. I'm gonna literally punch you right in the fucking eye. Literally, if you tell me my dad died literally. for a reason, right? But I've I've shifted it to. I believe there's a silver line. If you look hard enough, there's a silver lining in almost every situation, yeah. right? Which is what green lights is about. It's like, oh, holy shit, this thing happened and this is horrible right now. But with what your approach, the calendar strategy, like in a month later, you might look back and say, holy shit, that was the best thing that could ever happen to me. And, totally. and that's like, I have a bunch of examples. I, you know, I wrote a blog post called, um, you know, stop doing what you're supposed to do. Right. Cause there was two points in my life where I, I, I was going through the motions. I was doing what I was supposed to do. And somebody else made the decision for me. And I thought it was the worst thing. Like my, my first fiance, seven years, I was engaged to her and she broke it up with me and I knew it was wrong, but I was doing what I was supposed to do. Like I, you know, I, what do you do after seven years? You get married right. you do and, and she broke it off with me and it, and I was fucking devastated for like two days. Right. And then after like two days, I woke up and I was like, holy shit. Like, it was like literally the weight of the world got lifted off my shoulders. And then a year later, I met my wife and couldn't be happier and everything else. So right. that, that mentality of A, this too shall pass and and that there's silver linings if you look hard enough, but you got to sit with it first. You got to you gotta manage that emotion so that you're not just pushing it and suppressing it with some toxic positivity. So for sure. And the one thing I'll just say on that topic though, the reason why I started to do that caliber thing was when I fully forgave my father for mm -hmm. our troubled childhood shit. Yep. And I think one of the things for me that I was, again, Tony Robbins reference, yeah, but, yeah. you know, we were sitting there and uh, went to UPW, Only uh, Power, then with Tony Robbins. And long story short, you know, he was just going through, you know, people have some stuff that should happen. You know, people who, you know, they got reached by their uncles and their parents knew about it. And just crazy shit like that. Shit that you wouldn't even, shit that you would think they wouldn't even write movies and happen right. with people in real life. Uh, which God bless him for getting through that stuff. But, you know, mm -hmm. there was this one lady who that was a situation. You know, she got raped by her uncle, her parents knew about it, whatever, like this whole big issue. And it's crazy to think that, right? Ugh. So literally, uh, you know, but she's a super successful entrepreneur, but can't find happiness, right? So she has kids, whatever, she's severely depressed, suicidal thoughts, whatever. And where I was able to forget my father from this note where we where we went to as tough he goes if what did not happen to you god you know i would never want that there i know you wouldn't either he's like but you wouldn't be you if it didn't happen to you and that's really fucking devastating to say to you. but he said you wouldn't be and you have the successful people you have people working for you that are that are living their lives paying their colleges off living in their homes being in their careers and not that you needed that from a perspective of you know, be you know, insensitive to what happens to you. But you wouldn't be you. So as much as that's challenging, you have to be grateful for your past and what happened to you. And that's hard to do. And that's why a lot of times mm -hmm. people with depression, they can't come to terms that that this happened to me. These are my hearts. And so the calendar thing for me when I heard that, right? My situation, my dad having alcohol problem, whatever, you know, other things, you know, I looked at it and I said to myself, damn, he wasn't that person. If Order. he didn't come to me have that conversation. You know, if I if I didn't have to step up when I was like early, to remember when I was like 11, 10, you know, whatever it was years old, 
you know, him being out, being out at the bar and stuff. I had to step up as the man of the house. And I was constantly like disciplining my brothers and my sister or having to do those types of things to help my mom out. Um, but if he, if he wasn't who he was, I wouldn't be who I am. Yeah. And so that counter thing came into play because when I, when I came to peace, which I'm not going to lie to you, there, I still feel my body sometimes resentments that are show up, right? Yeah. But it's like, I've come to peace with the terms that like he had to be who he is. But if they get, I wanted to be XYZ person, yeah. it wouldn't have helped, right? Like who he was helped me be who I am. So I came to, I came to terms with that and I accepted it ultimately. And it made me realize like, wow, if I were to look back at my past and do the Steve Jobs method, which is you can never connect the dots of the Pope. You can only connect them. So my, my connecting of my dots are on a 30 day cycle where I say, okay, did this pan out? Oh yeah, it did. It worked out fine. Yeah, so that yeah. person quit. All right. You know, did it work? Did one up better? I actually want to better, right? Or yeah. maybe it didn't, but we figured it out. So well, anyway, that's the whole calendar shot. Well, man, let's finish up with gratitude. Um, cause I think that plays. That has played a massive part in my life of of getting me through of, of just kind of reflecting and saying, you know, what am I? Even the small things, right? I remember um, I had a friend who was going through some tough times, and you know, and everything was negative. Everything was negative all the time. And I, I asked her, I said, "Hey, do me a favor." And I don't even know where I picked this up from, but I gave her a suggestion. I was like, "Here's a notepad." I'm like, tomorrow, I want you to write down every positive thing that happens to you. And I mean everything, right? I mean, if somebody opens the door for you, write it down. If you make a green light on your way to work, <laughs> write it down, right? If you get a text message from a friend who you hadn't heard from in a while, write it down. And and I just want to talk to you at the end of the day, see how, see how your day went, right? And she came back to me with like four pages of notes. And she was like, oh my God, I had the best day ever, John. Like, oh my God, this is incredible. Like everything seemed to be going right. I can't believe you know, our conversation yesterday was just so enlightening. And I was like, can I ask you, why do you think today was different than yesterday? I go, what was different today than it was yesterday? And she's like, I, I don't know. She's like, everything just seemed to be working out. I go, did it really? Or was it, you just shifted what you were looking for? Really? Because all you were looking for was negativity in the past. Cause I know it. Cause I talked to you a lot. And all I did was say, just start looking for the positive things and be conscious about it right? And write them down. And, right. and that was kind of a light bulb for her. She was like, holy shit, you're right. She's like, I was actually looking for the positive things instead of looking for all the negative things. And she's, I'm like, you know, nothing changed between today and yesterday other than your view on things. And so that to really? me, gratitude, it helps me is realize that how fortunate I am to be where I am, how fortunate I am to have what I have, right? And, and so talk to me a little bit about how you cultivate, uh, I think you call it existential gratitude. Mm -hmm. Talk to me a little bit about that and how it plays a role in your life. Yeah. For me, I'm a big believer in you, like, I only want to, like, as I'm getting older, I just had my first child, you know, me and my wife, seven, seven months ago. Yeah. And, you know, and Congrats. it's, thank you. And it's, it's changed a lot of my safety, especially about people, right? Because yeah. like, right you're, you're somebody's child. I'm yeah. somebody's child, right? Like, yep. we're, 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 we're somebody's kids. And whether they're here or not, and I think the thing is, is I look at every day, you know, somebody, so the other day somebody said, dude, you're, you're a self-made guy. And I've always said, and, I, and I've always loved that saying. I've always heard, is my, I've seen people do it and I've heard it and I've always loved it. You know, nobody knew whatever, you did it yourself. But you know what though, as of recently, you know, uh, 
started to shift my thinking. And I was like, you know what? Every day, because in the morning, I have my morning rituals, routines, right? My meditation, the workout and prayers. Yep. And I do I have a gratitude list, right? Uh-huh. And and whether I write it down or mentally put it every day, I think about it. And I think about the people who have helped me be who I am today, yep. right? Where, where I've gotten to. And it's an easy example, like my grandmother. My grandmother, uh, Grandma Chellen, you know, um, was 83. She literally, like when I first was like, had this idea, she was living at home with us, right? In our small little ranch house. I was packed in, Chinese train. And, you know, she was super excited about it. You know, thought it was a great idea. Um, she was my first bookkeeper. Like she helped me nice. find, she co-signed my first laptop at Best Buy, my first camera. Nice. And and it's like, you know, when you think about that, and I think gratitude for me stems from that, right? Like even the bad thing, like, you know, so for me, that, that existential gratitude comes into play where even thinking about the littlest things that I love what you said about catching a green light, right? It's like, yeah. dude, everybody knows that feeling when you're in a rush and you catch that light. Yes, like, yeah, let's exactly. go. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. literally. But it's like being grateful for those things. Um, but for me, it's looking at everybody who helped me be who I am today. And mm-hmm. I'll even change. So this year is going to be the first shot, starting 32 in September. Mm-hmm. And this year for the first time, I'm trying something completely new. I'm going to be, instead of it being a party for me, right? I'm actually throwing a party for the people who made me, right? Because even yeah. though I was born on this day, right? It's not about me. It's about the people who make my life amazing. And that's yeah. what I want to shift my birthday for being about me to be celebrating everybody that matters, right? And um, also, potential thought for the listeners too. I'm also doing this for the first time, only for the, my core people in my life, my, my immediate family, my best friends, my wife, people like that. I'm doing an anonymous survey monkey, right? With how I impact their lives nice. and what I can be doing better. And so I'm going to get the poll from everybody around me and do that. Yeah. Because I think part of gratitude, I think it's it's service, man. For me, gratitude comes with like, why? maybe this is my mentality, but yeah. I want to serve. I yeah. want to serve. I want to serve my, my wife. I want to serve my son. I want to serve my parents, her parents, my family, her family, my team, my friends, you know, my siblings. Like, I want to serve people, right? And I think, you know, that's the biggest thing that I think where gratitude comes from. Because you know what? It's like when, I don't know if you're, I'm sure you've been in this position where you thought of picking up something for somebody at the store for like a holiday and you got it from, they weren't expecting it. And they were like, oh, it's so nice of you, Daddy, for yep. doing that. And yep. you just feel like, wow, like that, you know, it makes you feel good serving other people or helping other people. I think that's my gratitude for this, man. As I sit there, I look yeah. at it, like all the things that, I, that I'm completely, completely grateful for. Love it, yeah. I think that's that's one of the things that, and, and not to be you know politics or anything, but I remember when Obama said like nobody's a self made man, right? Yeah. And everybody fucking went bananas, like fuck you, I did this. And I was like, no, 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 you didn't. There was somebody who paved the road that allowed you to get to work. There was Correct. somebody who made the car that allowed you to get to. You know what I mean? Like, right? I mean, if you look at it at that fundamental level, not at, none of us are self made. Not mm-hmm. one. We've nope. taken the initiative to to do it, but without mm-hmm. anyone, there's not a chance. I mean, think about it, customers, right? You're not self-made. Customers are helping you be you, right? Right. They're paying your fucking bills. So totally, that, there's not one person out there that has been a self-made person a hundred percent. So one hundred percent. I think that realization and that ability to take a step back and be a little bit more humble about you know where you got to and how you got there is a is a much easier path to. Um, 
uh, I mean, happiness ultimately, you know what I mean? Like, and, and, and realizing, cause you know, I go, I go back to Gary Vaynerchuk. He says it all the time. And I agree with this, you know, you could be, you, you make 40 grand a year and you're happy, right? You win. Cause I know right. millionaires who are just miserable pricks and, and I'd rather be happy than a miserable prick. And a lot of that comes from a service, you know, service background of like wanting to sure. be successful, uh, as part of yours. So. Awesome, John. Well, look, I, I love this conversation. I think we need to have it more uh, out loud, quite frankly, uh, for a lot of people, because there's just right now so much negativity out there. Everybody seems to be angry at something. And yeah. uh, everybody would actually just kind of take a step back and realize that we're all pretty similar. You know, most of us have the same needs. We want to do the same. We just want to be good people. We want to serve our families, take a vacation every once in a while. And you know, grab a beer every once in a while after work. So, uh, <laughs> right. So, uh, appreciate it. Are you a Sam Adams guy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I went from being a Budweiser guy for a while and then Budweiser tore my, you know, tore my stomach up cause they're rice driven, whatever, how they from yep. their shit. And then I went to Sam Adams and now I follow the seasons with Sam Adams. Yeah. So yeah, there's no, you can't beat it. I, yeah, I, I love the Sam, I love the Sam Adams commercial when they go, your friends from Boston. Oh, yeah. The, 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 <laughs> your cousin's from Boston. Yeah, they, that oh, guy. Cousin, your cousin. He, he fucking nails it, too. He's like, your cousin from Boston. And every fucking, every commercial, I'm like, I know exactly a kid just like that who's going to do that exact fucking thing. And he's going to be the disaster at the <laughs> wedding. But at the end of the day, you're going to be fucking psyched that he's there because he's yeah. going to be one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I love it. That, <laughs> I love that commercial. That, that literally makes my day right now. I see that. Yeah. Awesome job. Well, look, tell, tell the audience here where they can find out more what you're doing with Adaptive Social and everything else that you got going on these days. Yeah, man. So again, you know, Adaptive Social, we're, we focus on two core things for, for businesses ranging from, you know, an individual, it could be like small business, like a, like a real estate agent to a smaller, you know, contracting business up to Fortune 500 clients. They come to, most of our clients come to us for two things, to build their revenue streams and then secondly, building brand credibility in a marketplace. So if those two things fit for you, you want to scale your business and scale your revenue, that's our focus point. Um, okay. You can find us at Adapting Social right here, literally on every platform. Yeah. Um, so literally all channels, all platforms, even the new ones, threads, and whatever else you can come out in the future. <laughs> um, and uh, for me personally, you can find me on John Vigar or the Johnny Johnny um, on Instagram. Love it, man. And then for those listening, I'll put it in the show notes, but last name, V-A-G-U-E-I-R-O. Check them out on social, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, and everything else. We'll put it all in the show notes. And John, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. I love having this conversation. Thanks for yeah. coming on, man. John, again, we're, we started this way. We're going this way. Great name. Great yeah. name. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, man. It's been an honor. Absolutely. And for everybody out there, I think my, my outro on all my uh, podcasts is going to resonate hopefully today more than most, which is... Go out there and make somebody smile today because no matter how bad your day went or how bad you think it's going, you go out there and make somebody smile and you know you had a good day and the world needs a lot more of that right now. So thank you all very much and I will see you on the other side. I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. With your support and our incredible guests, we're one of the top sales podcasts out there right now and I can't thank you enough. Now to keep the momentum going, it would mean the world to me if you could go and leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform and share some of your favorite episodes with your network. Also, check out my new website at www.johnmmichaelbarrows.com where you'll find even more ways to engage. There's a ton of free content and you can also get trained from me directly as an individual or for your team. 
Look, I'm out there selling every day just like you are, and I'm doing my best to stay on top of all the latest trends in technology. So if you're looking to level up and you give a shit about this profession of sales, let's connect and let's make this happen together.